Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Kevin back with a fixed computer line, so we're in business tonight. Amen, Brother Kevin. <laughs> He's been having problems with that thing for months, but now his computer service is fixed, and Lord willing, we won't have no more glitches in that. How you doing, Brother Dave? I'm doing well, Pastor, and I'm looking forward to the teaching. Amen, Brother. Amen, amen, amen. Um, I talked to Brother Sergio the other night. He said, tell all you guys, hello in the chat room, and that whenever um, he hears me mention you guys' names, he prays for you, and one of these nights, maybe he'll be able to come on with us. I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you, he's a blessing. He is uh, he's special. Brother Sergio is really special. And Brother Looking Tony forward, Adams. brother. Yeah, amen. And Brother Tony Adams is um, always telling you guys hello and how much he appreciates you, and uh, maybe one of these nights I can twist his arm and his leg and get him to get on here and uh, be live with us. But anyway, after having said all that, tonight we're going to be in Daniel chapter 3. And we're going to start seeing the correlations between Daniel and the book of Revelation. And we will go back and forth. And some of this stuff that we're going to go over from Daniel to Revelation when we're in that, when Brother Chad's on with us, and we're in Revelation. When we come across the same thing again, we're not. We're going to skip over it because we've done went through it from that from the perspective of Daniel. Does that make sense, Brother David? Yes, it does. So we will try. That will help us speed along a little bit. Then again, I shouldn't even say that because knowing me, maybe the Lord will give me something different and new that I can expound on it once again because repetition would be your best teacher. You might not like it, but trust me, it's one of the it's one of the most sound proven ways 
of memorization and understanding and learning the scripture that there is. And Brother Chad would amen to that, I'm sure. And most anybody else that's memorized quite a bit of scripture. Okay, last few, uh, first of all, uh, let me go ahead and open us in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this precious time we have together tonight, Lord. Number one, Father, I want to thank you for this time because we take everything for granted. As a general rule, Father, we are spoiled. We have a, a sense of entitlement. We have a sense of entitlement about spiritual things. We have a sense of entitlement about our Bible. We have a, we have a, an entitlement about our freedom. I mean, we may say we don't, but, Lord, our actions a lot of times speak louder than words. And we are not as forthcoming with thanksgiving for all these things that we have as we should be. Yes, Father. And right now, I want to thank you for this precious set-aside time that you've allowed us to be on here with no trouble from the authorities as of yet, with no persecution as of yet, other than the dummies from hell flying through here every now and then with their vulgar mouth, that, that this it's hilarious. Other than that, Lord, we've been so blessed here over the last three years and going on forward. You've protected us as a general rule, except for maybe one time the the um, the company, the talk show people have kept the lines up and everything. And we just want to thank you from the depths of our heart for that tonight, Father. We don't yes. want to take this stuff for granted because we understand how precious your word is. And when we put it out, we know that people will find it later, not only a few days later, but they'll run across these things in years to come, and you can still keep putting the book out, even though I may be dead and gone, Brother David may be dead and gone, Brother Kevin, Brother Chad, and Brother Merv, we may be gone. But if this business, if this people stay in business, their people will still be able to get the Word of God. And that's the reason we have a backup on YouTube, because the odds on um, talks you going out of existence, and YouTube at the same time are, the, the odds against that are pretty high. And, Father, I thank you for that. And I know without your protection, Lord, we could do nothing. Without your Holy Spirit, we'd have no idea in which direction to go. And, Father, tonight I pray that you'd cleanse me with your precious blood, Father. Yes. Look in my heart, look in my soul, if there be any wicked way in me, any deceiving idea, anything in my heart that's dark, I pray that the blood would cleanse it out of my thoughts and out of my, out of just cleanse it completely away to where it won't be in grasp of me as well. my thoughts in any way. Father, we're just flesh, and we're like the Apostle Paul. When in us dwelleth no good thing, Father, and the only thing that where we can be a service to you is for you to come down and minister through us, and it, because. Yes. In the end, you are the minister and you are the teacher and the third member of the Trinity, which is the Holy Spirit. And, Father, I pray that you'd prepare the ears of the hearers. Cleanse them. Search their hearts. Do the same thing because an unclean vessel 
does not hold clean things. They mix up and then there's nothing pure about it. I pray that you'd cleanse them with your blood right now, Father, and in their minds and in their hearts, let them pray to you for that special cleansing to make them vessels of honor to receive your words that the Holy Spirit puts forth tonight. We'll give you all the honor and the praise for everything you do, for it's in the precious name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Amen. Okay. Um, Brother Dave, if you want, um, you can. If you got something you want to um, hit on a little bit about anything, I've got to run to the restroom before we get started, brother. And I'll be back okay. in about a minute and a half. Okay. I'll just start reading uh, chapter two. Yeah, start reading at about the... middle ways, chapter two, and come on down through there. Okay. Daniel chapter two, verse thirty-six. This is the dream. And we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings. For the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of heaven hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art his head of gold. And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sauce the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron. The kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another. Okay, I just want to make one point about what you just read, brother. Both okay. where it says, it uses the third person plural, they. You've got to go all the way back up to the kings to find out who the they are. It's talking about those kings. That's who the they are. Yes, it is. And and you, if you don't get this, see, and I know you go check out every, go go and listen to some YouTube clips or listen to some teaching of mainstream big name folks that that uh, that teach this. Other than our persuasion, well, especially, excuse me, oh, let me back up big time. Uh, you're not going to hear this in our persuasion unless you hear it from me or somebody that's taught it from the direction that I teach from. But if you go into uh, people like David Jeremiah or Charles, even Charles Stanley might have come to to the knowledge of the truth lately, but Charles Stanley, um, and I hate to even mention the old Jew-loving fat cat out in Texas, John Hagee, okay? those those and, and you can fill in the blank from the rest of them. They're not going to stop and bring out this point about this they. 
Now, Dr. Chuck Missler will. Tom Horn will. Okay? Some of that Chris Putman will do this because they got their they got their ducks in a row when it comes to this kind of stuff. Okay? But as far as quote-unquote mainstream goes, they'll, they'll read right through that and try to tell you, oh, it's just, it's just a kingdom that's having trouble and part of it's broken and this, that, and that. They won't bring to your attention how important this T-H-E-Y is because in the context, it's there, there's more written about this, these four verses, than any of the other stuff up above or below, and it's talking about somebody that's not human. Because yes, how absolutely. You, how you know they're not human? Because they mix their seed with the seed of man. That gives you the contrast. One's not the seed of man. One is. That's how simple that is to understand. You just got to believe it. And then you know it's happened before because of Genesis 6 and after the flood. And all the promises in Matthew 24, the reason we went there the other night, and Mark 13, and Luke 17, and Luke 21, that there, it's going to happen again. And that's, we're right down here where David's reading this, where that's the jumping off place. And where the, when these kings are in power, and like I said the other night, I made allusions to it. I was very slow and deliberate in what I said. This rulership of these kings will be under a monarchy. Under a, well, I'll get into that when we get into chapter 3. But anyway, let's just suffice it to say this. It doesn't have to be over, well, this is King Tut, blankety blank, so and so's throne. It ne don't necessarily have to be like that. All it has to be is a single sovereign ruler over a certain place. How to, in, whether he's ruling financially, governmentally, and according to Revelations, it'll be governmentally. And over these guys, the days, there will be somebody else that sits in the seat of authority as a king. That will be who is called down through the ages the man of sin, the son of perdition, the Antichrist. And when we get to Daniel 11, we are going to take this apart. And I'll show you that stuff. Okay, we're going to take it apart because that's where some of their their intermingling and their, some of their doings is more prevalent is in the last part of Daniel chapter 11. So I just wanted to say that about this day. Don't lose sight of that. I don't care how many, I don't care if 1,500 people tell you that this is just normal people or they say, oh, that's 10 systems or that's 10 governmental organizations. Well, what are they doing with sperm? You think they're a seed bank or something? I don't think so. I don't think so. Because this is down here on this statue, okay, at the last part of the kingdom, the last part when time's fixing to culminate. Fixing to tell you that. So in all the places in the Word of God that you can find that's, that's taking place right before the king, our king, comes back, then you look at those places, read them carefully, the things that are happening right prior to our king taking the throne, then you get more insight into it. 
Number one place is Isaiah chapter 13. The other place is Isaiah chapter 14. You'll find you'll find some of the some of it in, in Jeremiah chapter 50 and Jeremiah chapter 51. All those four chapters are dealing with Babylon. Okay? The head of gold started out with Nebuchadnezzar, the head of gold, the most expensive, the pure, the, you know, the most powerful, so to speak. Then this overview of, church, uh, of all history, of Adamic history, this overview, it starts off, it starts back again, it ends right where it started at. The circular part of history, folks. Those circles that I tell you about. Lord, give me grace and mercy, Father. But if we had, if I could just, if you could see this visually, then it would be wonderful. You might could get more of a grasp on it, okay? And Lord willing, maybe, God giving grace to all of us, maybe it'll be that way in the near future. So where we can draw these things out on the board, and you can be right there and look at them and ask any question you want to, if you so desire. Maybe we'll, maybe the Lord will bless that, okay? But if He does, it's not, it, it's not going to, uh, it's not going to come out from under a piece of steel on a railroad track, or some hobo down in Atlanta, Georgia is not going to pick up a can and look inside of it and finance the whole. It ain't going to happen that way. It's going to happen because the saints of God want it to happen, okay? That's the way it's going to happen. But anyway, to go on further down here. As David's reading here, watch it. Watch what it, the statement it makes about right before the king comes. Go ahead, Brother Dave. They shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. Okay, stop right there. In the days of these kings. So they're going to be, these ten kings are going to be ruling when everything culminates. See, you've got this gap of when they started their business and they come into power, then they started mixing their seed with the seed of man, and then all of a sudden there's this time period in there that you, you have to fill in the gap between when the kingdom of our kingdom is set up and when their kingdom ends, how do you find that? Remember, this is Babylon. This is the last, this is the mystery Babylon of Revelation chapter 17 and Revelation chapter 18. This is some of the parts of Isaiah chapter 13. It's some of the parts of Isaiah chapter 14. And like I said earlier, I'm, I'm repeating myself so you don't forget it because most of you are not taking notes. And parts of 50 and 51 in Jeremiah. And parts, some of the parts are in Zechariah. Okay? Some of the parts are even in some other part, under other chapters of Isaiah, which it flees my mind. And you can even go to Judges. And you can see some correlation from the book of Judges that's going to apply in the last days. There's no chapter that just lays it all out in chronological order 
where any reprobate can pick up the Word of God and, and read it one time and get it, see? That's what, what's what a lot of people just don't get. The book's not written for some people to understand. It's not laid out for people to understand, for some people to understand. It's, it's laid out for the saints to understand because they have the Spirit of God dwelling in them. That's why Paul said what he did in 1 Corinthians 2. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. So without the Spirit of God dwelling in a regenerate Christian, he can't understand them. That's why he'll run to make it allegory. He'll run to put his opinion in there on it, okay? That's a natural, pragmatic opinion. When the Word of God is a spiritual book. Later on, Paul says in the same chapter, that we we that we learn the things that the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, and the Holy Ghost is the teacher. So this period of time, however long it is, between the kings are reigning and in the days those kings are reigning, that's when the next verse pops up and everything culminates. But to find out all the stuff in between, that's what I try to do, folks, all the time. That's why we make go, we run back to Isaiah or go over to Jeremiah or hit some of the minor prophets. That's Gestalt teaching. That way you get a picture of what's happening and going to happen. You know, not to change the subject too much, but earlier today I went back and listened to some of the teachings from, uh, uh, what's that Scotsman's name? Back um, back during the 1600s, what's his name? Uh, Brother Chad, what's that? Um, what's that Scotch teacher's name? He, he was right along. John Knox. No, when John Knox, he, he's contemporary with John Wesley. I mean, not John Wesley, but uh, John Calvin. Mm-hmm. What is his name? Oh Lord! Oh shoot, Rutherford. Huss? Rutherford. Huss? Oh. Dr. James Rutherford in Scotland. Yeah, and you talking about it was fascinating to listen to some of the stuff that he said. Well, it wasn't him on tape, folks. That was in the 1600s. It was somebody reading his writings. But he would be teaching a doctrine, and he would go back to the Old Testament and only take two words out of a verse and come back over to his text and then go to Revelation and take one or two or three words out of a verse in Revelation and apply it to what he was teaching. He wouldn't take full sentences a lot of times. He would just take two or three words. You're talking about astonishing. And it gives a whole different perspective on line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. It gives the whole lot of what I scream about, about the words of God, how important they are. Because when he would do this, it, it, everything would just come together like a glove on the things he was teaching on. He was teaching on grace, is what he was doing. So I recommend, if you, to, if you understand what I just said, about taking two or three words out of a verse in Timothy, and applying it to a whole verse or a half of a chapter in in um, First Peter, 
and they fit like a glove. Never changing an English word, never changing the old King James, and it made perfect sense, and light bulbs going off right and left. So just wanted to throw that in there. Okay, Brother Dave, let's go ahead and see if we can move on a little bit here. Okay. <clears throat> Which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Okay. This will not be given to other people. Folks, listen, I, I made the statement not a couple of programs ago. And I'll make, I'm going to bring it out more in just a minute. This Bible deals with the Adamic, the, the Adamic people only. The heathen, in other words, this kingdom he's talking about here that's going to be set up, it is mainly 98% talking about the white Christian nations and Adamic people of the world. Russia being in, is, is part of that, folks, okay? China's not. Japan is not. India is not. The Ubangis are not. The islands are not. Okay? I'm talking about uh, centering in in the context and the main characters of what's playing. Now, they're just on the side. They pop the heathen, it calls them. Pops up every now and then. This book never switches from the main principal topics being centered around the Caucasian people. Never, never, never. And it, it, uh, one of the amazing things about these Judeo-Christians and some of the people that teach out there, they can't understand that. They don't get it. And, and we'll probably get into a, a hair-pulling contest Sunday night when we have our guests on because I'm going to bring this point out. And if they're as smart as they're supposed to be spiritually, they ought to. It ought to be a light bulb go off in their mind. And who knows? Maybe they already know it. They just don't talk about it. Some people don't like to talk about this because it's divisive out there amongst the quote unquote mainstream bunch. But from that overview, all you have is white Adamic people that are being dealt with. Even Egypt that's dealt with. The part, the part, the during the times that, that it's dealt with in the scriptures, it's white folks, people. Tutankhamun was a white man. Did you know that? You knew it, didn't you, Brother David? Yes, I've um, got links to DNA studies, and uh, there's also one where someone, Nefertiti and um, Tutankhamun, they re- did their skulls like you mean through, Akhenaten? Um, you mean Akhenaten? With yeah, with clay and with computer technology, rebuilt the heads of what they looked like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously white people. Folks, all you got to when you see when you see a skeleton, there's only three types of skeletons, folks. Okay, when you see look at the straight on to one of our skeletons from our people, it'll be more than a V shape at the nostrils where the nose used to be. It'll be more of a V shape, and it'll be kind of fine, sharp edges on the V. If it's either mongoloid or niggeroid, it'll be rounded off. That's one of the best. Every anthropologist knows they can tell you what race it is just by glancing at a skull. There's no such thing as that V shape on a mongoloid 
or that V-shape on a niggeroid. There's no such animal. Just thought I'd throw that in there. If you didn't know it, you know it now. Check me out. Don't believe a word I said. Continue on, Brother Dave. These kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof. Then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. First big mistake Daniel makes is right here. Go ahead, brother. The king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of lords and a revealer of secrets seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. Then the king made Daniel a great man, and gave him great gifts, and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon, and chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon. Then Daniel requested of the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon, but Daniel sat in the gate of the king. End of chapter 2. Yep. Okay, here's what's happened here. Daniel, Ananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as we know them, because of them being able to interpret the dream, tell what the dream was and the interpretation, the king has put them in... Uh, Nebuchadnezzar's put them in some high places. Well, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wasn't around, but Daniel let offerings be made to him, and the king and everybody bowed down and worshiped before him. Now, Daniel knew better than this. But I can, you can imagine, hey, all flesh is grass, folks. You can imagine uh, all of his people and every bit and taken out of his own land, all that, all them miles away, set up in a new kingdom, being fed different food, all this stuff in an idolatrous place. You can imagine the temptation, how strong that temptation was. Just come on, Lord, just let him hit his knees one or two times, you know, for old times' sake. I, I can see this. I, I can. That's human nature, folks. Put a little meat and flesh on the bones of the Scripture. All flesh is grass. Even though we're going to find out, and I'm going to I'll go off in some details about it, Daniel is a type. Daniel is a type of us in the Scriptures, and I'll bring that out to you shortly when we get over into chapter 3. But he's kind of made second ruler in the kingdom, like the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a type of Christ as well, a type. If we had if we had another program and just this, you know, one single pulled out set by itself program, I could show you the gospel according to Daniel through typology, the gospel that we that we have right now, the death, burial, and resurrection, I could show you the typology in Daniel. It's right 
staring everybody in the face. Maybe one of these days, I'll just take the time, and that's what the program will be about, the gospel according to Daniel. So anyway, read the last verse again, brother. Okay, just a sec. Got to go back. Okay. Verse 49, Then Daniel requested of the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. Amen. Next chapter. Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold, whose height was three score cubits. You need to stop. Let me set this up. Folks, between Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 3, more than likely there's been between 15 and 20 years passed between these chapters. There's been a lot of growing up going on. There's been a lot of changes going on. But there's probably, it's between 15 and 20 years has passed between what happened a chapter ago. So I just wanted to bring that to your attention so you can put it in the back of your mind. Go ahead, brother. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Okay. Nebuchadnezzar, he wasn't satisfied with being the head of the other image of gold. And Daniel praising him and that his kingdom was going to be a great kingdom. He was going to rule over all the other nations and all that his the, all the, all that good stuff. And over the last however many years it was, fifteen twenty, Nebuchadnezzar's had time to think about it. And folks, all flesh is grass. No matter how thankful Nebuchadnezzar was back in chapter two, he's done got puffed up with vanity and pride. He doesn't make an image in chapter 3 of gold and then of silver and then of brass. He doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't do that. He makes it all of gold because his part was gold in the previous chapter. And he's probably, like most sovereign rulers, only Medians and Persians are not going to kick my butt. Pride, folks. Pride cometh before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. Just like we're going to mention a few in a few minutes about when Lucifer fell, and what was some of the things entailed in that that we don't talk about much. But that's the time has passed, and Nebuchadnezzar's getting pumped up a little bit with his pride. And let's see what happens. Continue on, brother Dave. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the province to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. 
Then an herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, the flute... Okay, you can stop right there, brother. In verse 4, it says, Then an herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, and nations and languages. So there is an insight into the the massive size of this kingdom and to the demographics. They're from different nations and have different languages. Okay? There's a lot of people in here. Okay? Doesn't say heathens. Probably all our people... Our, our, of our persuasion, of our ethnicity. But this decree is to out to every one of them. And it, this is the biggest, this is, to, as far as Nebuchadnezzar is concerned, he rules the whole world. Because at that time, as far as we know, he understood it to be all the known, quote-unquote, known world. Maybe it was bigger or so, but that's just what everybody says, okay? But the decree was for them, all of the known world. Well, in the end time, a correlation with Babylon, mystery Babylon, is she's going to be under control over all the kindreds, nations, and tongues of the earth. But I'm here to tell you that I specifically think that it's only going to be over the Adamic nations. I may I, I hinted at it the other night. In other words, what I'm saying, India's not concerned about this image. Japan is not concerned about this image. China's not concerned about this image. Therefore, they don't play a part. In God's holy Bible. He doesn't mention the heathen here. Doesn't mention outlandish women here. But according to the way it's the way it's worded, it was all of the known world. The known Adamic white world. I am under the opinion that it's that's the way the main gist of everything is going to come down. Right the way it is, it is happening right now. It's us that's being genocided. It's us that's being flooded with immigrants. It's us that's that is going bankrupt. It's us, us, us. It's not India per se. It's not Japan per se. I mean, they mention them every now and then with with a across this world media like we have. You can't help but mention it. But as far as the big roles and and the pain that's going to come down and the judgment of God's going to come down. Folks, it's going to be on us. It's not the time of Saddam Hussein's trouble, okay? It's called the time of Jacob's trouble, Israel. So the next time you want to get mad at God about the troubles we see, you might as well blame him. Because it's the time of Jacob's trouble, not of Mexico's trouble. Not of the Philippine Islands, not Thailand. 
It's our trouble. We're the ones on the short end of the stick. That, uh, that right there ought to tell everybody who the Scriptures are talking about. The Israelites. It ought to tell everybody. And we'll get a little bit deeper as we go further. And especially when we get into Revelations more, we'll deal with Mystery Babylon. And we'll try to come up with a location based on common sense, not the Jew. Okay? The uh, other nations, Pastor Don, they all suffer greatly too, don't they? Not necessarily because they're directly being afflicted by these things, but because of what happens to us, yes. uh, oh, they are depressed. Yes, yes, yes. But I'm saying the direct hand of God is, is, uh-huh. is not on them, it's on yes. us. And the yes, history yes. book's written about us, not them. That's all. Absolutely. I see, yes. Continue on, brother. That at the time ye hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, Ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. Okay. Here we find out about music as it as it has something to do with worship. And here it is having to do with worship of an idol. Folks, this is the most untouched. Some of you may have some um, experience with some good teachers that has dealt with the music thing before. But the the unregenerate world will try to tell you that mathematics are the universal is the universal language. Well, I I am in total disagreement. I think that music is the universal language. Whether a person can speak your language or not, when he hears certain music, it affects the way he thinks and it affects his motion in his body. It affects all kind of things. It affects his mood. Mathematics don't affect your mood. Figuring out a mathematical equation does not make you tap your foot. Mathematical equations may make you cry because you can't do it, but <laughs> not for the same reason music will, folks. Yes. And don't forget, turn to Isaiah 14, brother. Okay. We'll find out the song leader in heaven before he fell. See what he was. And we'll see how 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 he was created. He was the song leader of heaven. Remember, he was the anointed cherub that covered. That's Isaiah, Ezekiel 28, brother. I'm sorry, not Isaiah 14. Oh, yes, Ezekiel, of course. Yeah, Ezekiel 28. Um, But he even had built-in instruments in him. And remember what the craftsmanship was of Tubal-Cain and that bunch back in Genesis? The artificer of this, that, and the other, some of the musical instruments? Now, folks, listen, I can't help it because for all the years that you've put into thinking music had nothing to do with Christianity and other than singing a few songs in church. And I can't help it if you think that just because that that there is no way in the world the music you listen to has anything to do with God. I'm sorry that you that you believe that or been taught that. 
but there's some things you have to come to grips with. If you are a Bible-believing Christian, music affects your spiritual attitude and your spiritual thinking. It always has, vis-a-vis Job 38 and 39. And it always will. So you have two choices. You can, and, and go, just read Isaiah, uh, Ezekiel 28, brother, and I'll stop you. Okay. It's interesting, too, that the King James there spells music, M-U-S-I-C-K. Like sick. Yeah, it does, brother. I don't know if that's an accident or not, but it's interesting. I don't believe nothing's by accident, brother. Okay. Ezekiel 28, verse 1. The word of the Lord came again unto me, saying, Son of man, say unto the prince of Tyrus, Thus saith the Lord God, Because thine heart is lifted up, and thou hast said, I am God, I sit in the seat of God, in the midst of the seas, yet thou art a man, and not God. Thou, though, set thine heart as the heart of God. Behold, Thou art wiser than Daniel. There is no secret that they can hide from thee. With thy wisdom and with thine understanding, thou hast gotten thee riches and hast gotten gold and silver into thy treasuries. By thy great wisdom and by thy traffic, thou hast increased thy riches, and thine heart is lifted up because of thy riches. Therefore... Thus saith the Lord God, because thou hast set thine heart as the heart of God, behold, therefore I will bring strangers upon thee, the terrible of the nations, and they shall draw their swords against the the beauty of thy wisdom, and they shall defile thy brightness. They shall bring thee down to the pit, and thou shalt die the deaths of them that are slain in the midst of the seas. Wilt thou yet say before him that slayeth thee, I am God? But thou shalt be a man, and no God, in the hand of him that slayeth thee. Thou shalt die the deaths of the uncircumcised by the hand of strangers. For I have spoken it, saith the Lord God. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. Okay, folks, the first part of this, he was dealing, there was a real man, a real flesh and blood man named Tyrus, okay? That was over Nineveh, okay? And this is the way that Isaiah 14 is written like this. Chapter and and Ezekiel twenty eight is written like this. It goes back and forth. This is the way the Old Testament prophets wrote, especially when dealing with Satan. Go ahead, brother. Verse twelve: Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God: Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, 
and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold, the workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes were prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Okay, for the very from the very get-go, he had musical instruments built into his body. So you've got organ music and something like tambourines. That much we're clear. That much is clear. It could also be uh, organ and bagpipes. Yes, it could be it, anything. It's wind. wind uh, yes. It, that's what it is. It's, All it's, manner of pipes in Right. Yeah. But um, that's a fascinating thing. And why would he have this in him, built into him? Because he was over the throne of God. He led worship service, folks. He was the associate pastor. To, well, I'm speaking reverently, Lord. He was the associate pastor under the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the second guy. And he led the congregation. How do you know he led singing? Because it tells you in Genesis in, in Job 38 and 39 that he was present when all the sons of God, morning stars, sang together. And all the sons of God shouted for joy. So in the mornings, from whenever they would meet, Satan would strike up the band, and they'd be a, have a shouting good old tent revival up there. I speak reverently, but you know what I'm saying. So he, so music. Continue reading, brother. Then I'll say what I'm going to say. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. That's one of the most mysterious passages in the Word of God. If he was created perfect, how did he get unperfect? Think about that. They're in an eternal setting where time don't matter. The stuff, the materials, and all the stuff he's made out of is eternal stuff. If he was created perfect, what made him iniquity rise up in him? All I can tell you, all, the only hint the scripture gives on it, is that's how power. That's how powerful that pride can be. That's how de that's how devilish and degenerate that pride can be in anyone, even someone that was created perfect. And hence, that's why when God gives you the seven things he hates the most, the number one thing is pride. I say it all the time, and it rolls off some of y'all's backs like, like water off a duck's back. You need to meditate on these simple little truths that I bring out out of the Word of God. And it helps you build up an armor in your own life against it. Therefore, if you built up an armor and put, put in a so-called quote-unquote security system in your brain and spirit, when you feel that when it trips the wire, the red, 
the, the buzzer goes off, and you know to deal with it right then. Trust me, folks, you don't want to deal with it. Some of you may have and don't have a reason, didn't, don't have a clue, period, why you went through what you went through, and it was because of pride. Lord, have no, I know I've been through it because of it in the past. Almost lost everything, did lose practically everything except my salvation and love for the Lord Jesus Christ, everything I had. Material and immaterial. It will it will get you. It will destroy you. And on the on the inside and on the outside everything will look like it's fine to you, but not to the Lord. He will not share his glory with another. And if he wouldn't share it with someone he made, perfect, what do you think he thinks about the ones that puff their chest out down here? Continue, brother. Uh, Verse 16. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. And thou hast sinned, therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was filled up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings, that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of them that behold thee. All they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee, Thou shalt be a terror, and never shalt thou be any more. Amen. 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 That pride will get you, folks. It'll get you. And let let me caveat everything I've just said with this right here. You don't have to be good looking and have a lot of money and be in good physical shape to be proud. Some of the proudest folks I've ever run across didn't have a pot to pee in or a window to throw it out of. But they would not turn loose of their pride. See, that's just that's just absolutely 380 degrees contrary to what the world teaches you. That's 380 degrees contrary to what mainstream Christianity teaches you. That's totally opposite to what 98% of all Christianity teaches you. What does that tell you about all the rest of Christianity? Back to Daniel, brother. Okay. Daniel chapter 3, verse 5. That at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. Okay. Music's going to play, and they're going to fall down and worship. This old 
gold, this this, uh, this solid gold or this gold over a stone image, when the music started playing, they supposed to bow down and worship it. They was worshiping a rock idol. Think there's anything new under the sun? The last time I checked, there's rock idols today. Oh, English, that's just still holding true. How about American Idol? Folks, you can you can try to laugh it off and him haul it around all you want to, but the very two things I just said has been the destruction and damnation of millions. That's how powerful music is. It gets you to, um, it puts you in an altered state. I ain't talking about subliminal either. I'm talking about pure flesh. And the one of the worst culprits, the worst culprit as far as Brother Don's concerned, when it comes to music and instruments is the drum. Drums are made for two things. Drum beats are made for two things. They're made for battlefield and for sex. That's what they're made for, folks. They're made for fighting and war, and they're ma- and, and that, that's where they shine at. And I don't have time to go into the history of music and bringing you up all the way from Africa up through into Europe and the Gregorian chants and bringing you overseas and with Benny Goodman and all that stuff back during that 18 and the Renaissance period and the great musicians of the world like Handel, like Handel and show uh, what's his name? Um, um, oh, Chopin. Beethoven, Chopin, yes, Tchaikovsky, all those masters of me. That was that, folks. <laughs> You may not like, I don't care what you like, that's immaterial. You done been spoiled, okay, with crap. If there's any millennials, quote, unquote, out there, you are absolutely ruined. And even in the generation under that, you're screwed. And it all started on the big scale in my generation. It all started in my generation when it absolutely turned fleshy. And the drumbeat became a, a much bigger, played a much bigger role. And the things about this, when you, you run, this is what you find out. This is what you find out in Scripture. I'll give you two examples. It, has, it makes you want to take off your clothes, so to speak, or uncover yourself. And that you can you you can use that literally, physically, or in a metaphorical spiritual sense. Some of the greatest worship and praising God I've ever done was when the music was right and the Spirit of God was so thick you could cut it with a knife. Okay. Example for that: Second Samuel chapter six, when David is dancing with all of his might behind the ark that they're bringing the ark of the covenant in and he took off his clothes it's got something to do with making people want to uh, undress for some reason but it's that's the kind of effect it has in the brain and when david went up to his wife michael she said 
Oh, weren't you a big deal showing off yourself before the women in Israel? The other time was in Exodus chapter 32 when Moses was up on Mount Sinai getting the Ten Commandments. And Aaron decided that he would uh, build this golden calf and all the people rose up to play and dance and take off their clothes with all the music going on. One of those situations was for bad, and one of them was for the praise of God. And there's a fine line, folks. If you can discount the drums, then it's not hard to discern. Because the general rule that I have learned and I, that I was taught, and I found it to be true, because hey, I'm a I'm a child of Woodstock. I'm a child of Elvis Presley and Frankie Avalon. Okay, some of you folks don't even know who that is. I I, I remember the Big Bopper, James Dean. I remember when the Beatles first. Came over to America. I remember standing up in my living room telling my mother and daddy, I don't believe in God. And I turned rebellious. I came up with the LSD. Like I said, I was at Woodstock. I was at the New Orleans Pop Festival and San Francisco and Haight-Ashbury. Growing out on MDA and LSD. I know about all that stuff. It didn't quite work, though, unless there was music playing. It's interesting that um, if you ever listen to any of these musicians talk about how they got started, Mm -hmm. they all listened to black Negroes singing and were trying to emulate their styles. I didn't go back that far, that far, that far, Uh, brother. Uh, I could have. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I'm not saying no, but these men who became white rock and roll singers in the early 60s, they were emulating black people that that's, they that's listened right to. right out of Elvis Presley's mouth. Mm. Elvis Presley said that out of his own mouth. Yes, I, I remember listening to him, Rolling Stones, Beatles, same thing. They yep. all said that. Now, what, trace their music back to where they're from in their culture. And what do you get? You get nakedness, death, and rampant sexual immorality. Folks, you can't get away from this. I don't care if if they're using this stuff to sing Amazing Grace and Just As I Am. There's something about it. There's something about that, that drum head. There's something about it. decibels. It's something. It's the beat. If it taps your foot before it taps your heart, you better put it in file 13, folks. Telling you from experience. Telling you from experience. But like I was trying, like, like I was, I was going to get to, back when the Negro tried to emulate the white man, like the Platters, and some of the others. Beautiful voices, but they sang like a white man. And I'm, that's not a prejudiced statement, it's just a fact. But then it all changed 
during the quote-unquote civil rights period and the more you integrate the, the lesser the lesser the the most degenerate always drags the most superior down to its level and so music started being corrupted from every direction you corrupt the gener- you recut you corrupt the young people you re- you corrupt the complete next generation outside of regeneration and solid christianity coming in and stopping it with God. And nothing's impossible, folks. He can come in and take a reprobate and turn them completely around. I'm a living proof of that, okay? But country music, hey, country music don't get off. I love country. My flesh loves it. MTV, CMTV, both of them out of the pits of hell went. And I don't mean they mean bad. I mean out of the pits of hell when it comes to giving you bad thoughts. If you're honest with yourself. If you're honest. What could be good about staying drunk, going and getting another six-pack, having another tequila, stealing somebody's wife or stealing somebody's husband? What could be good about what? How edifying is that? I don't care if they turn right around and sing Amazing Grace. See, that's always been the the, the deal. They, they'll say they'll, they'll go for eleven months out of the year and sing trash with the most leading and infiltrating and seductive and sensual messages in the songs and then they'll put out a a so-called gospel tape or gospel cd whatever it's called today and that's supposed to make it all right and as individuals as as regenerate christians you got some folks out there they'll go to church on sunday and wednesday and sunday night over they're doing their duty then but tuesday thursday Friday and Saturday, they'll go to the rock concerts, they'll go to the bars, they'll subject themselves to the music, wind up in fornication, why I'm getting divorced, I can go on and on and on and on and on. You cannot separate it. Do I like that? I sure don't. My flesh loves country music. My flesh loves 50s and 60s and early 70s music. I mean, I can, I mean, it, I love it. But it's not about what we like, folks. It's about what God likes. And, and there's, there's and, a real big spiritual aspect to this music. And we were talking about Satan having built-in tabrets and pipes and these demon spirits. Um, if you speak to these musicians, if you've looked at any of the histories of rock and roll and different um, good YouTube films that are out there about it, you listen to the testimony of these men, and they will say they've, they're possessed. Things come upon them and give them these songs. They just come out. Sometimes spontaneously when they're on stage, all of a sudden something comes out they were never played before, never thought of. 
And then uh, other times when they're developing works, uh, they're giving musical words like automatic writing. They just start to write it down as it comes to them from these demon spirits. The spirits give them the music. Um, and there's very accounts of many rock stars who have gone down to what they call the crossroads. And that's a, 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 what they call it, going down to the crossroads where they meet the devil and they give their soul to the devil to become worship. I know Idol, some, some of you people out there think, oh, they're just doing that publicity and to make more money and to draw oh. attention. I, I agree some of it can be that, folks. I agree with that some of that. But I know for a fact, personally, that that's the minority. That's not the majority. Absolutely. There's accounts of musicians who were actually very poor musicians. But when they started to play, the Spirit would come upon them and they became the most astounding musicians that you could imagine. Amen. Now, if you look at men like, say, um, Jimmy Page and this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. don't tell me that isn't the spirit in the guy. I agree. You know, possessing him to play this stuff, it's spontaneous. He I didn't agree. sit down and practice this. Folks, you can take this stuff all the way back to, the, to Plato, Aristotle, and all that bunch. They, they talked about demons possessing them to do stuff like this. But they thought demons were good. Did y'all know that? They they considered having a demon a good thing. Because they said there were good demons and bad demons. Okay? That helped some of them write, and they would get ideas from some. You have to study the Greek classics to hear this stuff. But either, either way, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The fact remains... If the Lord cast them out, I didn't see the Lord running across a good demon anywhere. He cast them all out and sent them away. They're not good. None of them's good. And if if they were being demon-possessed then, what do you think stopped the demon possession over the last 2,000 years? What do you think? Can you find me a verse of Scripture that says demon possession was going to stop? Brother Dave, do you know of a verse of Scripture that said demon possession is going to stop? No. no of course no, you don't, because it's not there. I can assure you it's not there. Mm-hmm. Neither in the in the canonized Scripture or the pseudepigrapha books. It's not there. Been through them. No, it's not there. Guarantee it's not there. But as, as I always say, check it out yourself. Check it out yourself. But back to the point, one of the points I'm trying to make, folks. And this comes down to the crucified lie of say, t- telling yourself no to what you like. And the toughest thing is when you've never thought it was wrong. Nobody ever told you it was wrong. You're ingrained in it. You're set in your ways. You like it. It does something what you think is good for you, but yet all the time it's not good for you. And basically, if you was to be honest and open up that chamber of your heart, where you hide deceiving your own self at, and bear that little section of your heart, you'd find out you're just doing it because you like it. I know that's my excuse. Pretty much everybody else is if they'd be honest. 
Think of the illegitimate children that's come out of the rock concerts. You know, they could come out of football games. Listen, folks, just listen to what I'm saying. Music is connected with idolatry. Idolatry is connected with baby killing. Remember the children talking, they're walking through the fire, passing through the fire? Remember the Israelites that were making their children pass through the fire? It's connected with that as well. And it just so happens 2,000, 3,000, 3,500 years after they were bowing down to rock idols. Now, today, in 2016, the next generation is bowing down to rock idols. Think there's anything new under the sun? Wonder why they call them rock idols. Why didn't they just call them uh, musicianal, musicianal icons? Well, even icons an idol. Rock stars. You know what stars are? Angels. You know what the angels did? They come down in Genesis six. Folks, you cannot separate this stuff. And I and I don't apologize. I'm I, I do feel, have empathy with you that if you're so set with your mu- if music is part of your life, you need to change your music to spiritual, real good, pure music. That is real music, not made up chords on a guitar that were never present in the past, not Twitters and Wooters and all this junk. And, folks, I thought Jimi Hendrix was practically a god, okay? Yeah, there's a good, very good example of a guy demon-possessed when he played. Absolutely a great example. Yeah, him and Jim Morrison are the two best examples I know. Mm. Jim Morrison especially. And I thought Jim Morrison, the sun rose and set on him. Okay, mm-hmm. and like I said, I thought the Beatles were. Oh my goodness! I just I was I had beetle I had beetle wigs and I bought all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And Elvis Presley. Oh my goodness! How could anybody not like Elvis Presley? The only thing I will say in the positive about Elvis, he was he did profess to be a Christian and he did make some attempts to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. That's the only thing I can say. So maybe he was a backslidden Christian. Don't know. Just say it. He he was in a choir at church when he oh, started absolutely. singing. Oh, absolutely. And he used to, after his shows, force his entourage to sing gospel songs. That's correct. After his shows, yeah. You're absolutely. You're absolutely For hours. Correct. But just like after. Brother David said a while ago, where he got started in was with niggers. Yep. He, he got he picked up their bebopping flesh music. Black folks are pure flesh bots. Flesh bots. That's all they think about. They're, I don't care well, unless they got they're three quarter white. Some of them that's uh, that's got a, a strong mix of white blood in them, they can control it a little bit better than the pure Kunta Kentes, blue gums. But all they think about is the next second and the pleasure of the next next second. And when and when they get up in the morning, the first thought: How do I know? I've lived with them. I've slept with them. I know all about them from all corners of them. 
from Yankee blue gums to southern blue gums to blue gums from Haiti and from Puerto Rico. Been with them on a up close and personal basis. I'm not I'm not throwing out condemnations I got from the Q Clutch clan, okay? I'm giving you personal experience. That's why I know them so well. I guess that's why I get along with them so well. Yeah, 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 get along. Right, big time. Got friends. But I know what they are. And I can get them to tell you what they are. Don't believe me? Make the trip down here. I'll prove it to you. <laughs> Let's go on, Brother David. He's on. Verse 6. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Oh, by the way, they found a fiery furnace over in this area, and uh, they're saying it's the same fiery furnace that Nebuchadnezzar used. Go ahead, brother. Therefore, at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, had set up. Absolutely. Whenever the rock bands kicked off the concert or Moose started their introduction, I'm speaking to those guys, Brother Brian and Brother Merv knows who I'm talking about when I say Moose. Oh, I like them too, man. Yeah. When they get fired, when they fired up, everybody fell down to worship. And they, they wouldn't fall in that because the music made them passive. And they didn't think for themselves. But there were some folks that didn't affect, and let's find out about them. Verse 8, brother. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Okay, in verse 8, it said they come and accuse the Jew. They accused the Judeans. The Judeans they were talking about were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But it's, it's the Judeans. This ain't the hook noses they're accused. Go ahead, brother. They spake and said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth that, he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Okay, folks, one more thing before we leave the music thing. I've got one of the best put together history on the it's on the history of music, okay, by Dr. Peter S. Rutman. That he he brings the music forward from Cain all the way through to the present, or what was present for him in the 1980s, okay. So any of you that want to borrow it, make copies or whatever, and listen to it intently. I'll beat them. All you got to do is just let me know. Write and give me address. Let me know, and I'll, I'll get it to you, okay? If you promise, you will pay attention to it, okay? And check it out because it's all based on fact, 
and experience, because Dr. Ruttman was a dance band drummer in New Orleans and in Pensacola before he before he was a Christian. So, and he could play about seven different instruments. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Go ahead, Brother Dave. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Okay. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, he's, he's, he's ticked. Because he said earlier that the ones that didn't fall down were to be killed. But he didn't kill these guys because they did so well in the previous chapter. He's giving them, he kind of likes them and giving them a second chance. He, he's fixing to put it to them face to face. But he's still pissed. Go ahead, brother. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made? Well... But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Okay. Nebuchadnezzar has done, like I said, over this time period, from the time he got humbled back in the previous chapter and bowed down to Daniel, he's done got back puffed up, knowing he, he's thinking he's the, he's the grand poobah forever, because you notice when he made the eye, when he made this golden image, he didn't make make the whole. He didn't make it according to chapter two. He made the whole thing gold. That pride doesn't got to him. Continue on, brother. Verse sixteen. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Okay, this, we're not careful what they're what they're saying. It's the same way Paul uses it. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. Be careful for nothing. In other words, don't be, they, weren't, they weren't full of care about their answer. In other words, they had their mind made up. I mean, they knew what was right. That's just like Paul says, like I said in Philippians 3. Be careful for nothing but in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests made known unto God. And the peace of God that passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Continue on, brother. Verse 17. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. Watch this sentence structure closely, folks. Watch what these guys say. And he will. Start over in in, in 17. If it be so, Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. 
Okay. What do you see? What just took place, folks? Do you see what just took place? Oh, this is so contrary to this bunch of quote unquote faith healing fanatics. This is so contrary to Benny's hind end and Kenneth Copeland. And Jim and and Jimmy well, not so much anymore. Jimmy Swaggart, but all these other folks, Burpo, I forget all their names. It's been so been so long since I've been in front of the television. Dieter Papa. Okay. Oh my goodness, I remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> man, he was been he's been if he's still on, he's been on forever, man. Yeah, I think he's still around. Our brother Stare. Y'all know Brother Stair? You remember Brother Stair? No, I don't. No. End time prophet. This is Brother Stair. Maranatha. <laughs> That's the way he would end every program. But anyway, anyway, we're going to find out what is it they say. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able, key word, able to Deliver us. That's the key word, Abel. Deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us. Straight out comment. Straight out statement. He will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Now that old disjunctive conjunction. This is what's fantastic. And this is what you've got to get. Be turning to Hebrews 11, brother, while I'm talking. Okay. This is what you need to understand because this is a practical application for you today. You get this right here, your you, your faith will be correct. Any other any deeter deetering from the from the example being put forth here, it's a bastardized type of faith. So I want you to pay attention to what they're saying. But if not, in other words, Lord, he's able. He's able to deliver us from the fiery furnace and deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy God nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's faith was not in their faith, folks. Let me explain. Oh, I've got faith enough to to move that mountain. You do. I've got faith enough to uh, heal the sick. You do. You're missing something, dude, that these guys didn't mention. And, oh, by the way, Brother Dave, it'll be in verse 30, 33 okay. and 34, so you can go scan them down there. But uh, mm-hmm. they, they said, hey, God, can you deliver us? That They bow to God's sovereignty, folks. Okay? They bow to the will of God over their great and wonderful faith that they're supposed to have. They never, never 
doubt that God can, C-A-N, deliver them. But they realize God's sovereignty and him being in control, he might have other plans. So they bow to both ideas. If he does, we'll serve him till we die. I mean, if he don't, we'll serve him till we die and be shouting right out in the ash heap. But if Amen. he does, we'll serve him right on and give him all the praise for it. You understand what I'm saying, Brother Dave? Absolutely. That's there, good. Faith, there, and see, that's, that's, that's the way faith operates throughout the Scripture. And nobody brings this point up, not even me sometimes. Too bad I'm too busy bad-mouthing the other bunch. But that's what faith is all about, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But you, you, your work, you give God, the faith is in God's sovereignty to do what's right. That's bowing the knee. That's serving. That's knowing Father knows best. But you've got faith that he's going to do the right thing. That's in your child's death, it's in your cancer, it's in, it's in my brain tumors if I got them, or cancer if I got it, or anything. It's in everything. That's why, and they didn't even stop to think about it twice, folks. They didn't have to get in a huddle and come up with this idea that they was going to say something that would sound pious and it might get them out of their punishment. They were not careful. They immediately come forth. They immediately come forth with their answer. That showed they had true faith. That's why they're. That's why they are present in the Hebrew. What they did is present in Hebrews chapter eleven. Brother Dave, if you would, I want you to read verses thirty-three and thirty-four. Verse thirty-three: Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Oh, stop. We know who stopped the mouth, going to stop the mouth of the lion. It was Daniel. Okay? That's who stopped the mouth of the lion. Next part of the verse, brother. Quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Okay. Quenched the violence of fire. That's, that's, that's two people right there, two groups. That's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego quenched the fire, stopped the mouth of the lion's Daniel. Just don't name them. It just tells what they did. But it's saying, keep on reading, brother. Escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. That's Isaiah. Go ahead. Were tempted. Were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, 
that they without us should not be made perfect. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Folks, if you need to sit down sometime with a pen or a hair highlighter or whatever, and if you haven't already done it, and go down through that list of the heroes of faith and think about what they did and, and think about their, the faith that they had. They did this stuff and didn't even get to see the results, didn't get the reward for it. They didn't get to see the promised seed. Okay? They just did it because it was right. You never hear about this faith per se. The word faith is only used one time in the Old Testament. And it's in Habakkuk, the just shall live by his faith. Okay? And it's just, it's everywhere in the New Testament. The faith is the same. Just the mention wasn't much in the Old Testament, even though it was by their belief and faith that they did the things that it says in Hebrews 11. Yeah, yeah you, can't, you need to pray about each one of them. Think about, find out who it was. See what, go back and read what they did. And see that they were, they, none of them griped. None of them griped. The Lord come through for them, and he didn't come through for others. But yet, either whether he come through or whether he didn't, he was still, praise God Almighty. And that's what the Hebrew children are doing. They are saying, God can do it. God's able to do anything. And if he does, praise his holy name. And if he don't, we still love him. Praise his holy name. Now, folks, that's easy to say when you've got a full belly, plenty to drink, I got a, you got a cool room set in and sitting in front of a computer and none of the kids are on life support and you don't have a tube running out of your side and if you do, let me know so I can put it on the prayer list. And it, it, folks, you understand, do you understand what I'm saying, Brother Dave? Yes, absolutely. When things are good, it's easy to say that we would obey God no matter what, even though he is, hasn't answered our prayer the way we want it. Absolutely. And folks, listen, if you can't do what's right when things are going well, what in the Hades makes you think that you're going to do it later or when times are bad? You know what I said? That's some, that, a kid can understand what I just said. Man, I love you and want you to do well. And praise God, some of you do what you're supposed to do. And I don't know what some of you others are waiting on. I have no idea why. Because it's the Lord you answer to, not to me. It's the everything you do is jotted down. There's books for it. It tells you in Revelation there's books for it. It tells you there's books for it in Malachi. Everything is recorded. Either you don't really believe that's true or you don't give a tinker's damn. Now, that's just the way it is. Or you have deceived yourself and justified something that's more important than doing what's right and God has for you to do. Simple. And I'm not saying that mean. I've been there. I've been the one on the other end and fluff it off and make excuse 
till I get cornered, till I got cornered, and the Lord has said it's time to put up or shut up, and you're getting beat on top of that. I'm just trying to save you some trouble. What do you do by faith? I'm not talking to every one of you folks. I know, I know a bunch. Of, I, I know some of you. I am talking to some of the rest of them, and especially some of the downloaders. This program is not for entertainment. This program is an assembly. This program is part of the body of Christ that wants you to grow, and that's the whole intention of the program, is for you to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, to love him more, and to serve your brothers and sisters. In that capacity, you won't even obey some of the simplest commands. Because you'll say amen, hallelujah to what you disagree with. I mean, to what you agree with. But then when it comes to something that you can, for your own benefit, your own desire, you will go and find somebody else that will give you a reason to say, oh, that's not right. That's not the right thing to do. Folks, I've done it. All flesh is grass, but you you have to grow up sometimes. One of these days, I'll let Brother Chad give you a testimony about that stuff, and he'll be glad to. There ain't no excuse for it. You're missing blessings. You're missing. You're missing the praise of the Lord because He loves that stuff. And it's all because of selfishness and self-love. That's no other excuse. You have faith? You really have faith? I believe that there was a Jesus back 2,000 years ago. I believe he walked around, and I believe that, that he uh, that he rose from the dead. Well, is that right? Is that head belief, heart belief? If it's a heart belief, you do the other things that he said and his apostles said to do. Or you, you do 99.9% of it, or you, do a, you try 100%, 110%. And you don't set your goals down at 35 when you're capable of doing 90, okay? That's another trick of the saints. They'll set their goals down real low where it's no sweat off their teeth, no skin off their back, when they're capable of doing much, much more. And trust me, the Lord knows the difference because he reads every, every thought and intent of your heart. But see, do you believe that? Prove him. Prove the Lord. Try to make him out a liar, okay? Try and you're gonna find and you will you will find out to your amazement that you cannot outdo the Lord. I have tried it so many times in years gone by. And he has never failed one single time time not one. Oh, 
I take that back. There's one time I thought he cut me short, but it all took place in an avenue to where I didn't know what was going on and didn't find out till later. So can't even count that one. See, you as child, you think he loves you, don't you? Think he's got the best for you? Shall the Lord of the earth do right? Of course he will. See, it's, it, it, folks, it, it, it ain't all about head knowledge. It's a little simple stuff. Little simple stuff. Shatter at me, shatter and bed to go. Bed done done the little stuff. Bed fasted. They didn't break their diet. And the Lord blessed them. Put, went above and beyond. Put them in a good position. Gave them the answers to the dreams. Now they're going through a fiery trial. While I'm talking, turn to First Peter 4, brother. Okay. Won't you read 12 and 13 just a second? They're going through a fiery trial now. But they're not going to waver. They're not going to bend. They're not going to bow. Because they know the sovereign God is able, whether he does it or not, it's all in his hands. But they're going to love him no matter what. That's the position we need to be in. We will serve thee, O Lord, no matter what. Will we always do it? Will we always be perfect in doing it? Of course not. But each time we get up and, and try to go forward, we ought to make a little progress. Because without faith, folks, it's impossible to please him. So the Hebrew children, they pleased him. And he rewarded them. And I'm sure that if they'd have went ahead and burned up, hey, they would have got rewarded beyond measure in paradise or whenever they got to heaven after the resurrection. Because the Lord loves, he, he that that's what pleases him. Just like he loves a cheerful giver. That's one of the greatest conditional promises in the Word of God. Is God promises to make all sufficiency abound toward you if you give the ones that's teaching you. And if you don't, you're in blatant disobedience to the book. Worse than a Pharisee and worse than a Jew. See, it's between you and God. It ain't got nothing to do with the third party. The Lord takes care of the third party himself. It's got to do with what you do. That's what he blesses. Blesses your faith, not the next person's faith. And by doing what pleases him, helps him turn his wheels. And if he don't use you, he'll find somebody else to use and throw you to the side. Case after case after case of it, folks. So where the only way to get back in is for him to grant you repentance. Second Timothy chapter 2, the last three verses. And that's what Satan loves to do. 
Go ahead and read it, brother. First Peter 4, verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that, when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. And can you imagine, can you imagine, at the resurrection, you being called before the Lord, know this, brethren, Every one of us shall give an account of himself. That's individual judgment. Can you imagine going before the Lord and the Lord asking you, "What did you what 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 did you suffer for me? What did you give up for me? What did you go without for me?" When I plainly told you. I would take care. My God is able to supply all your need through his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's a promise. Well, Lord, I just didn't see any way I could make it because I was strapped to a budget and all this kind. My God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you have an all-sufficiency in all things. The context of that is God loveth a cheerful giver. Okay? These fiery trials are not by chance. Your pain, and, and, and the thing about it is it ain't painful because he pays you back better than any Jewish banker. Your pain that you go through in these tribulations and trials if, if it happens to turn out that way in his sovereign will, it's to get the best out of you so you'll shine forth like gold in the end and your pain becomes your commodity. Your pain becomes your collateral. Your pain that you go through now is your ace in the hole in the future. Your pain is your asset. I didn't say stuff you brought on yourself, folks. That's not what I'm talking about. I didn't say going out here and breaking your leg to say you're suffering for Christ. I didn't say going out here and getting tipsy and getting in a fight at the bar and getting a bunch of stitches and thrown in the hospital and say you was suffering for Jesus. That's not what I'm talking about. I just know this. They, some of you that need to, to use the bathroom or get off the pot. And I, I, and I know that because the, how the Lord dealt with me and I've seen him deal with other saints. You'll get so far and the Lord God, he'll offer so many opportunities and then eventually he'll shut them opportunities down. There will be no desire. There'll be no debate in your mind. And when that debate stops, when that conscience quits bothering, you're through. And without without him granting repentance, they ain't no coming back from it. That's what the book says. Go read it. Second Timothy two, last three verses. And all I'm doing in every bit of this has got to do for your benefit. Back to Daniel, brother. 
Verse 18. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. Seven and times, he, seven times more. What is that word in, in, the, in the light of a fiery furnace and in the light of Israelites being tested and, the, and in the light of seven times popping up here? Does that bring anything to mind? Does it ring any bells How about well there's a lot of sevens seven churches and seven the number years, of completions 70 years are determined against thy people ah yes mm-hmm. seven is completion mm-hmm. not perfection folks completion and the time of Jacob's trouble verse 20 brother and he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceedingly exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That flame was so, the, the king was so ticked. His blood pressure went up so high, and his pride was so strong. He made the fire so hot that when they opened it up, it killed the guys that was going to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in there. It's blowback. That's what happened. Continue, brother. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, and rose up in haste, and spake, and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Okay. Like the theophany, the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. And the lesson to be learned from this, folks, is no matter how bad it seems, no matter how bad it seems, you take the step, you agree to go into it and don't run from it, the Lord Jesus Christ will be right there with you. Remember what Paul said in Second Timothy when he was writing his swan song in chapter 4? Everyone has forsaken me. Everyone has forsaken me. He only had two people with him. Luke, but he said, the Lord stood by me. That was when he answered, when he was taken away from the mouth of the lion. But the Lord stood with me. All forsake me, but Jesus stood with me. 
The Lord will never, he, he promises you he'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. And when you obey by faith and do whatever it is you want, when it's laid out like black and white, you ain't going to get around it. There may be some ambiguous things that's just between you and the Lord you have to work out. Some is the direct will of God. There's things in the Word of God that tell you it's the will of God that you give thanks for everything. That'll get you through more than you could imagine. I can't begin to get into the woo-woo stuff that if you'll thank God for some of the stuff that nobody, according to the world, in their right mind would thank God for, you you will see amazing, the amazing hand of God work in your life. If you can do it with a pure heart about it, not just put the words together and form them on your lips, and then in your heart be begrudging saying it. That's, that is the will of God. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Another will of God is to abstain from fornication. That's the direct will of God. Now, there's some things that are indirect that you, know, you have to pray about and get an answer from the Lord and watch for the Lord to do things to show you that's what he wants you to do. But we live by faith and not by sight, folks. Best thing to do on some of that stuff is pull a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You take the step in, and whether he, whether it's the right thing to do or not, if he does it, praise God. If he don't, praise God, because he's going to be right in there with you the whole time. And you know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And those two alls, 1 Thessalonians 5, Romans chapter 8, is all without exception. Not all without distinction. So the Son of God shows up with them in the in the worst fire you could possibly get. That's a type of some Israelites in the fiery trials of Jacob's trouble. That's what it's a type of. And the Lord's right there with them. He said he'd never leave us nor forsake us. You really believe that? But, of course, you know, I'll say these things, and we're going to call it quits here in a few minutes. When I said you really, but you have to go through it, folks. You may, you, you may claim, and with all honesty, that you know that you have. Say, yes, you understand. But you don't until you've, you've been through it and you have seen the Lord do the stuff. You can tell people about it, plead with them that they can do the same thing, get the same results. You can do this, you can do that. But until you've gone through it, all you're doing is just saying some words. But I, after 40-something years, I can assure you, oh, my goodness, <laughs> I guess I should have read, let the people write the book. So every one of the people that listen would get a free copy. Whenever we have new folks, I'd give them a free copy. Let them understand that what stuff that I'm telling you, I can tell you from firsthand experience. About what the Lord will do in these type situations. Because without it, you can't minister to nobody else, number one. 
And just like it says in Second Corinthians chapter one, verse one, and one, two, three, four, and five, that He comforteth, God comforteth in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort those who are in the same tribulation, in the same same problem. Because unless you don't, unless you go through it, you can't help nobody. You can't in in that manner. You might be able to help them in other ways that you have gifts to do it in. But as far as understanding and weeping with them that weep, you can't weep with somebody. You can't weep with them that weep if you don't know what they're weeping about and have felt the pain yourself. Or is given unto you in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but to suffer for his sake. Philippians one twenty nine. Next verse, Brother Dave. Verse 26, Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace, and spake, and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. And the princes, governors, and captains, and the king's counselors being gathered together, saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was an hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of the fire had passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word, and yielded their bodies, that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Okay, folks, there is a typology here I don't want you to miss. All the cords that they were bound with were the cords of sin, and their feet was bound, and their and their hose, all that stuff that they were bound with. That's a that's a type of this old man. And in the fiery sins of the in the fiery trials of the sins of this world that attack us from every direction, they may burn off those ropes. They may burn them ropes to smithereens and put hell fire on them. But underneath that, that new man is never touched. That's the reason it tells you in John, First John, he that is born of God doth not commit sin, or is born neither can he sin. Because he's born of God. It's a good typology for that. Continue on, Brother David. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Oh, excuse me. There, uh, verse 29. Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill, because... <laughs> <laughs> this guy in his dog heels, man. Yeah, he, 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 there's no doubt about that. He is a uh, that he he he's a, got a potty mouth. Ain't no doubt. <laughs> he really goes all the way when he decides to do something. Too. He don't. He hey, made, that's the way those or that's why those kings were, man. I mean, yeah. they didn't stop. They had salt the land, and when they when they did something, they did it right. Yeah. Continue on, brother. And their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. You said a mouthful, Neb. You said a mouthful. And absolutely true. 
You're going to get your test in the next chapter, brother. Go get your test. Read verse 36, then I'll make some comments, brother. Verse 30. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. What? And Folks, what is missing from this chapter? Cat room, what have you noticed that's missing from this chapter? Daniel. Bingo. Where is Daniel? Where is Daniel? There's a lot of speculation. That the, the, the honest answer is, I don't know. The consensus is that he's probably away on business since he was the second ruler. That's the consensus. Remember, he just had a king bow down and worship him and go against everything that he believed in in the previous chapter. I just wonder, was he away? The other possibility is that he had, that he bowed down. That's not true. He's beloved of God. What time is it, Brother Kevin? Nine twenty-nine. Oh my gosh, we've been on a long time. Is there any questions in the chat room? We'll we'll end close here for tonight. And Brother Dave, when we pick this back up. Um, next Friday night. Mm-hmm. Remind me, I've got a, I got about four or five more comments I want to make in this chapter, okay, and show some typology from and compare it with some stuff in the New Testament, okay? Okay, typology, okay. Mm-hmm. No questions. No questions. Okay, if there's no questions, then folks, we will meet back Sunday night, and it will be Doctor Joy Pugh, and she'll be talking about the. T- Two C line. And we're gonna hold her to that two C line, Lord willing, giving us grace. We're gonna to try to. But anyway, I appreciate all you guys being there tonight. Um y'all always in my prayers. I love you guys. And Brother Dave, if you would dismiss us in a word of prayer. Yes. Father, in Jesus' name we come with grateful hearts and gratitude of mind and of emotion and we give thanks for this teaching tonight we give thanks for the blood of jesus that enables the spirit of god to live in us and to be our teacher and our comforter and our counselor and even in the quiet hours of the evening when we can't sleep or when we're alone or when there's pain or suffering lord you're always there for us and with us even though there are times when we don't sense you there you are there And, Lord, we pray that for those among us who are going through trials and suffering and trouble, that they would have a sense of your manifest presence and that you would perform your will in their life and to them physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever way that you see fit to comfort or to answer the prayer. We we thank you for those answers. We thank you for your comfort. We thank you for your presence. Even though we don't deserve any of these things, we deserve the fiery furnace without the fourth member, you, the the Lord Jesus Christ delivering us. We, we deserve no deliverance, and yet you have offered this to us freely, and we, with gratefulness, give thanks for it. And tonight I thank you that you're showing deliverance to your people, and you're teaching us about it, and you're also actually delivering people from things And I give thanks for that. 
that you will continue to work with us. And I pray for Sunday night that you would cause Dr. Joyce Pugh to speak and to minister the Word of God and that she wouldn't deviate to the left or to the right, but stay right on the path and topic that you want her to speak on, the two-seed line and any other thing that you desire her to speak on, but not to deviate from the Spirit of God, but to minister by the Spirit of God, the Word of God. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus and to His glory. So be it. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Praise God. Praise God. Okay. um, Uh, The contact info? Yeah, in just a second, brother. There was something. Oh, yeah, another thing about uh, when we come back on on Monday night with pickup here. Well, next Friday night. Whenever it is, we're back with... Daniel. Okay, Monday. Oh, well, are you going to do Revelation? Yes, we'll do Revelation, brother. Brother okay. Chad, and and is on Monday night. Let me see uh, what it's going to tell you. Um, oh yeah, didn't mention the typology, but also put a note down that I want to show the the good connotations of this uh, typology in reference to the Bride of Christ, in reference to um, John and Daniel. Being and John and Daniel being a type of the body of of the of the bride of Christ in contrast to the three Hebrew children. Okay, sounds good. Okay, okay, you can give the contact information. Now. Okay, contact information for Don Spears Ministry. Telephone number is three three four three nine seven two three three three. The new email address is respect to the Lord at yahoo.com. Two is T-O and not the number two. You need respect. to spell it out. You need to spell it out, Brother Dave. Okay, R-E-S-P-E-C-T-T-O-T-H-E-L-O. O-R-D, respect to the Lord, at yahoo.com. The mailing address is 3155 Louisville Street, apartment D1. That's D as in Don, D1. Clio, Alabama, zip code 36017. Thanks for listening, everyone. Good job, Brother Dave and Brother Kevin. Thank you, folks, for being there in the chat room tonight, and I hope you have a wonderful weekend, and God bless each and every one of you. We'll see you guys Sunday night, Lord willing. Good night, guys. Good night, Pastor Don. Good night, all.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.